Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. All right, friends, welcome into episode number 81 of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, where I welcome onto the show my friend Chad Brown. And I'll tell you real quick about Chad. He is a leadership engagement expert. He coaches executives and entrepreneurs in the art and science of leadership, not only for themselves, but for their teams, their clients, and to create new, unprecedented results and experience fulfillment in their work. Chad is an associate partner at Take New Ground and is the host of one of my favorite new podcasts, the Naked Leadership Podcast. I would absolutely recommend you check that out and check out their work at Take New Ground. Chad and I had a really great conversation recently about leadership, about coaching, and about just honestly giving a damn. Now, that portion of the interview doesn't come up until late in the show, so make sure you stick around. You don't want to miss the conversation about give a damn. And you're going to hear the whole thing right on the other side of this message from the sponsor of today's episode, Peer Driven PD. And folks, before I hit play on that ad, if you haven't checked out Peer Driven PD, take the time to do so. It is absolutely worth your time. I'll see you on the other side. Hey, leaders. You know, teachers and administrators don't always see eye to eye. So it might surprise you that over 86% of teachers and administrators agree that we need more full-time classroom teachers leading our professional development. That's where my friends at Peer Driven PD come in. Peer Driven PD finds some of the best teachers in the country and documents their instructional strategies that work in real classrooms every day, and then they make the content available to schools everywhere. It's kind of like a master class, but for teachers. Imagine that. Your teachers are learning from other amazing teachers who, just like them, are gifted and passionate about driving student achievement. And if you've got your own superstar teachers who deserve some exposure, Peer Driven PD will visit your campus and film your own teachers doing what they do best and share it on the platform for their colleagues and everyone else to see. What a huge morale boost that can be for a district. And just so you know, Mike Alpert, who's the company's founder, has been a guest on this very podcast. Check out episode 49. Mike's a former teacher and administrator who has worked with schools from coast to coast. He really understands the need for engaging PD that teachers will appreciate. Look, I've seen this work firsthand. It's unique, it's interesting, and it's just what you need if your teachers want more out of their professional development. Visit peerdrivenpd.com to request a quote. Tell them the Leaning Into Leadership podcast sent you, and they'll give you a free trial access so you can check out all of their content and decide for yourself. As well, they'll give you an additional 10% off your first year subscription simply for mentioning the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Go to peerdrivenpd.com today. Again, that's peerdrivenpd.com. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Leadership coaching, what an essential element for high-performing leaders. Today, that's our topic here on Leaning Into Leadership, and my guest on the show is Chad Brown. Chad, welcome into the show, man. I'm excited to talk to you today. Darren, thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. I'm excited to exchange some ideas with you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really appreciated a lot of things we talked about in our pre-show call. So um, really interested to see where this is going to take us today. So uh, just really quick. Yeah. So really quick before we before we dive in, um, just give the elevator version of Chad Brown to uh, to my listening audience so they have a little idea who you are. Yeah. Introduction of me, elevator version. I am first and foremost a husband and a dad to three kids. I've got Milo, Kenya, and Addison, and Milo's nine, Kenya's 13, Addison is 16. So we're right into the throes of teenage uh, parenting, which is just a blast. Um, oh, yeah. One of the, <laughs> one of the most <laughs> exhilarating roller coasters I've ever been on. Um, so, it, you know, we want to talk about true leadership. Uh, that's the realm in which I'm really learning a lot about myself in the realm of leadership. <laughs> Leading a house with teenagers is something else. Um, I, uh, you know, years and years ago, I started a film production company called Shade Tree Films in 2009. I uh, was able to grow that business into a leader in the industry, working with large clients and doing some pretty big stuff for people like Volkswagen, Pixar Animation Studios, um, and Target, and just had a really good time doing that for the time being. In that, I made a lot of leadership mistakes, um, a lot of opportunities to learn, and uh, ended up in that business hiring a, a leadership coach myself because of the messes that I was making in my business. And he came in and, you know, I thought he was going to help us, you know, implement systems in our in our business and get the right people in place. And really what he did is he challenged me to become somebody that I was proud to be. At the time, I wasn't proud of the husband that I was. I wasn't proud of the, the father that I was. I was traveling all of the time, making up the story that it was all for them. And, you know, meanwhile, avoiding what was going on at home and how my marriage wasn't doing well. And, you know, just just the regular story of how the business can take over a life. I was allowing that to happen. He came in and showed me that um, his name is Adrian Kaler. Now work with him full time at our firm, T Take New Ground. So through that process, uh, I was transformed so much and was so grateful for that opportunity that I decided that this is what I wanted to be doing. So ended up having that film production company managed by somebody else for about six years, seven years, and in the process of selling it to him now, um, which is really fun. We're going to be, you know, great opportunity for him, lots of opportunity for me to move on from that. And, uh, and you know, been doing leadership coaching for about five, six years now. You know, it's it's so so interesting listening to you talk about that that transformation, that mm-hmm. you know, ability, you know, or that that gift that you gave yourself um, of having somebody come and be a leadership coach. There's certainly a lot of power to learning through our own mistakes and the and the messes that we create when we're early in our leadership career. But listening to you talk about that made me reflect real quick on on my experience. Kind of similar, but obviously in a different space in, you know, being a high school principal. But, um, when, when I had an executive leadership coach come and work with me, uh, it completely changed me. And, and like you, I thought, you know, Tom was, was my coach. I thought Tom was going to come in and, you know, we're going to talk about this and we're going to talk about that. And, you know, let's, you know, examine the systems that we're using and, and those kinds of things. 
And he directed me out into classrooms and we started spending mm. time in classrooms. And I'm like, I know how to do this. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that I didn't know how to do it. It was, I wasn't prioritizing it. He helped me really get my priorities in order. He helped me gain clarity and mm. helped me be intentional, aligning my behaviors, my actions, my words with that clarity and, and listening to you talk about that. It's, it's why I do what I do as, as a leadership coach as well. So I just, I find that really interesting. I mean, I don't know that every person that's in leadership coaching has that transformational experience, but let's just talk a little bit more about, about that experience for you and how you play that forward uh, with, with people you're coaching. There's a, there's a differentiator that we make. There's a distinction that we make rather between be and do. And it's a, in, it's an important distinction. Most people don't pay attention to. So there's all thing there's things that we all want in life or, or that we think we want. And that would be like the have, I want to have this thing in my life. Um, most people think that, uh, most people think that life happens do have be right. If I know what to do, I will have the thing that I want and then I will be the person that I want to be or be the person that, that does that. Right. So you can think about this in the traditional sense of being a doc, becoming a doctor or a lawyer, you go to school, get the degree or sorry, you go to the school, then you have the degree and then you are a doctor. And we say, uh, we, we contrast that with be, do, have, meaning we can become the thing first. We can be who we, who we want to be first, and out of the being comes the doing. So that's how, you know, that's how those who are most proficient and seem to have the most um, excitement and fulfillment in their work, they've decided to be the person first that was worthy and qualified to be there. And then the doing comes out of that. So that informs, oh, what do I do next? How do I, how do I get creative? Where do I find possibilities? And then I will have the thing that I want to have. So we make that distinction. And for me, I thought, you know, if somebody could just show me how to do this, then I would be good. If somebody could just show me it, come in and like show me how to work this system and how to talk to this employee and how to set up this contract and how to organize my time, all of that stuff. Those are all in the doing categories. Those are all tips, tricks, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And I thought, hey, if somebody would just come in and show me how to do this, I'd be all right. Yeah. But the, the problem is, is that the same thinking that set up my current circumstances as somebody who was overwhelmed, always traveling, uh, stressed out, not a good leader, that same thinking would go with me no matter what task or what system I put in place. And that's what Adrian helped me understand is that we've got to start with the thinking first. If we can address the thinking then we can create new possibilities and it doesn't, nobody even needs to show you how to do these things because the doing will come from that new way of thinking, right? So I was, for example, that can sound really philosophical, but let's bring it to the ground. So for example, in one of my very first calls with Adrian, I told him, you know, I was, I had all my complaints about the circumstances of the business at the time. And I said, 
you know, all of this isn't working for me because I'm a family man. I want, you know, I want time with my family. I want meaningful time with my family. And he looked at me and he said, you're lying. And I was offended. It's like, what do you mean I'm lying? Of course I'm not lying. I'm a family man. I love my family. I want to be with them, but this dang business keeps getting in the way. My, you know, my employees make mistakes. My clients are demanding. I've got to make money. I would love to be with them, but I've got all of this other stuff. And he said, you're lying. And you know, you want to know how I know you're lying? Because if you wanted it, you'd have it. And that to me highlighted, it was, wow. it was a huge wake up call. Hey, that's powerful. It is so powerful. It was a huge wake up call to me. It's like you create the reality that you live in. Your focus and attention will create what it is that you actually want. I saw a thing. uh, I saw a little meme earlier today or earlier this morning that I thought was really, really interesting. And it said, if you want to know what was important to you last year, Look at your calendar and your bank account. Look where your time was spent and your money was spent. That will show you what was important to you. And that was it's the same principle, right? It's like, look at the results yeah. that you have and just know that that's actually what you wanted. No problem. It's no bad. Like there's no shame in it yeah. for me or for Adrian. That was that was what was so wonderful about working with him is that there was zero shame involved in it. It's just like, hey, look, man, let's just look at reality. Let's let reality be the feedback. And if it if you don't like the results, guess what? If you created this, you could create something else. I love that so much. Um so many pieces in there I want to try to unpack. Uh, first and foremost, you know, just thinking about even just the connection between time and money. Um, you know, if we look at our bank account, we can we can see where we spend our money. Uh, same thing is true with the calendar. Um, when we think about where do we put our time, where do we put our energies as leaders, that tells us what what we say our priorities are. That was one of my big takeaways working with Tom was, you know, he, he sat down with me at a point and he's like, What's important to you? What do you truly value? How you know? What do you see as the vision for this organization, and how do you think you can get there? And mm-hmm. I don't think I could honestly answer what what mattered to me. I mean, I could mm-hmm. say a couple of things, and it probably would have been the same, like with with Adrian telling you, "Hey, you're lying." Um, but I don't even think I had enough clarity of what really mattered to me. Cause for me, it was, it was the whole Superman thing. I was trying to be everything to everybody. Yes. Um, and at the expense of my family, you know, similar to, to your experience. But that was when, you know, for, for me, it was kind of that, okay, you got to figure out what's important. And then you need to, uh, I call it balcony level leadership or, where let's go stand on the balcony and look, you know, what, where are you putting your efforts and how are you doing in these areas you claim are important? You know, when, when I coach people, I love to go talk with, you know, with their employees. Um, and obviously I work at, work mostly with schools. So I, I, I'll, I'll go talk to students. I want to know are the things that, that the person I'm coaching says are important that they truly value. That's really going to move the needle in their schools. Does, do their employees know that? Mm-hmm. I mean, do they, do they see that, you know, in other words, are, are those, you know, are those values aligned with 
what they're actually doing. And and to me, what you just talked about, that's just so crucial. And I think, especially early career leaders, it's easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to get pulled into this, you know, I've got to work harder. I've got to put in more time. I have to, you know, like in your case, I have to travel constantly. You know, my 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 customers are demanding. In my case, you know, my staff or parents or students are, are demanding. Um, I remember a moment at home, and I'm sure there were hundreds of these moments, but there's just one, and maybe I've amalgamated them, I don't know, but sitting, <laughs> you know, at the table, dinner is on the table, work phone in one hand, personal phone in the other, basically working on both, not paying attention to my family, and it's like, wow, I, I got to wake up and figure this out, and Again, I mean, we could riff just on our own coaching experiences, like as the coachee, probably the entire episode. But it's it's so transformational, and and I'm glad to hear kind of the background of what got you from from where you were with with the with your your film business to where you are working and uh, and coaching leaders now um, all over the place. It's it's yeah. It's yeah, a I'm, a, I'm a real product of, of the work. And, you know, that gives me, uh, it really gives me a level of both understanding, but also grace for those who have, you know, you talked about, I, I really find it interesting when you talk about, I didn't even know what was important to me. And I find that often, actually, um, especially when I'm working with somebody who is in a system. And when I say a system, I'm comparing like somebody who's like an employee or somebody who's an executive compared to an entrepreneur or a company founder. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is when you're in a system, everything is laid out for you. The path is laid out, right? If you want leadership or if you want promotion or raises, this is, all, this is what you've got to do. Um, whereas an entrepreneur... It's not spelled out like that. You've got to go figure right. that out, right? So those who are hard driving and and um, really uh, aggressive, uh, aggressive is not the right word, but but really like there to get something done in a system, a lot of times they can completely neglect thinking about or dreaming about what it is that they really want because this, the, the path is already laid out. You know, it's like me sitting down with an executive who is C-level at a corporation and he's telling me, Chad, I don't know how I got here. And I don't, I'm not even sure I want to be here. And, you know, we start from ground level of what, what do you value? What is it that you, you know, what you start, start creating some vision again, start creating some aim yeah. again that's outside of what the script that's been written. And um, anyway, so I think, you know, a lot of, I, I would assume a lot of educators can fall into this too, because there's a very clear through line of like, this is, if you want to go anywhere else, this is how you do it. And that yeah. has the possibility of you throwing away all of the desire, vision, creativity, all of that sort of stuff with your own life. You could, you could bypass that because it's laid out for you. My encouragement to you as with anybody else that I talk to and for myself, when I get into that thinking is to start, to start dreaming again. I know that sounds trite or it sounds um, juvenile or whatever, but like really like start creating a vision again for 
your life in all aspects of your life as a family person, if, if that's for you, as, you know, what things in the world that you want to see and experience. Um, and that can, you know, once you start to create that vision again, you can see how your work in in the school system or whatever can contribute to that and how they can partner together in order for you to live the kind of life you want to live. It doesn't have to look the way others tell you it has to look. That's, oh man, that's, that's awesome right there. You know, it's interesting to hear that um, it's similar in, uh, in other spaces as it is in education. You're right. I mean, the, the through line for leadership is, you know, you do a good job in the classroom and somebody eventually comes along and taps you on the shoulder and says, you know, hey, I'd like to see you, you know, maybe go after an assistant principal job or, you know, mm-hmm. an instructional coaching job or, or, you know, a department head, some kind of leadership role. And in many cases, you know, those who those who are driven to do this work, my, myself included, then it becomes, okay, I got to chase the next job. I got to chase the That's next right. job. I got to chase the next job. And in order to do that, I better be the first one in the door. I better be the last one out the door. You know, I, I have to prove myself. I have to, all of these things that don't align with, with kind of how you finished that, with, with how your work contributes to the whole picture of your life as opposed to your work defines your life. Um, yeah, that's I, I know that that's just part of oh, I think that's part of the human struggle. Right. Uh, so many of us will will put ourselves in a position where we define ourselves by the work that we do. I know uh, as an educator for 26 years I mean, all the way up through superintendent, that's that's what I thought it was all about. Um, this transition into into being an entrepreneur and being a leadership coach and being a speaker and being a publisher, that is so much more about making my work just a part of my life, not what my life is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I, I, I really, really like how you, um, how you encapsulated that with your work contributing to your life and not being about your life. That's right. And what, you know, one of the distinctions you're making for me, Darren, is, is I talk a lot about, uh, life, uh, work-life balance being a lie. And the reason mm-hmm. that I talk about it in that sense is that what you're describing to me is the, uh, is the, is the fallacy of work-life balance. It's like, oh, I've got to try to balance out all of my areas, all the areas of my life. My work's over here. My personal life's over here. They don't intertwine. They don't intermingle. And I've got to make sure that they're balanced at all times. Well, that's just not going to happen because no. things, but all areas of life demand certain levels of focus and attention at different times in life. And so what I work for, what I encourage people to start to think about is the work-life integration. How are they both supporting each other? How do they both inform each other? How do the things that you want to do and get done outside of work inform your work? And how does your work inform the things that you want outside of work? meaning family, vacation, hobby, like all of that sort of stuff. And if those two can work together, integrated, to support each other, then it relieves the stress of balance, quote unquote, the idea of balance. And, you know, whenever we're balancing something, you think about like the justice scales, right? 
Right. We're, yeah. we're putting two things on there and they've got a way out. And if they don't, then something's out of balance and we've got, and that's wrong. We've got to balance out the scale and life is just never going to look that way. So if you're, if your goal is, it's like, it's like having the goal in, in life to always be happy. <laughs> you know, I hear right. that so often. What's your vision? What do you want? What do you want out of life? Oh, I just want to be happy. Well, always, I don't think so. A, I don't think that's realistic. So if you think that's right. realistic, that's going to stress you out. And B, if you were never, if you were, if you were never not happy, you wouldn't know what happiness was. Oh yeah, and without so, question. Yeah. So the same sort of thing is like we, in my opinion, we got to get less interested in this balance idea and more interested in the integration idea, so that we feel like holistic people everywhere we go. In fact, you, you really don't have a choice. You're your whole person at work and you're your whole person at home. You're taking work home with you. You're taking home with you to work. You can't avoid that. There is nothing in, there's nothing in the human brain that turns off home person at work and turns off work person at home. So it's much more advantageous, advantageous, in my opinion, that we learn to integrate those and have them work together for something that's more fulfilling than it is to try to separate them. I love that. I mean, it's it's almost like if you think about how your brain focuses on certain images, so like an actual vision. So I'm looking across the room and I see, I see the printer. Um, you know, on the credenza across the way. Now, some of the other things that are still in the room and are still part of the room, they're not necessarily in as sharp a focus. If I, if right. I turn my attention that way, they will come into sharp focus. Um, I, I, I love how you talk about the work, work-life balance because I, I too have said that that's a complete fallacy. There's no way you can say that, you know, you equally distribute yourself between home and work. I mean, just it, just simply think about your your balance of time or the allotment of time that's not going to be a pure balance. I mean, right. let's be realistic there. So the balance piece is, is not good. I like the integration piece. I think that it, that just makes it so much so much cleaner, so much uh, more easy to to think about. And and it, and it takes me to, I, I hope this is a seamless transition, to something that you and I talked about uh, when, we, when we met a couple of weeks ago. And you talked about, um, I, I know on your website you guys have this negotiation quiz. And... Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the uh, not what negotiation seems to be, you know, when you first think of the word negotiation. And I, I think a lot of what we're talking about is kind of that negotiation in our own brains and how we we're constantly negotiating how we choose to to use our time as a, as a simple example. So uh, I, whether we talk about the quiz or not, I, I think the just the negotiation piece itself. Um, and maybe let's make our way to, you mentioned the, just that mentality of, you know, kind of our hands being tied or our hands are tied behind our back because again, you know, our, our work and how we, uh, how we just pour ourselves into it and feel like we can't, can't step away. Yeah. Well, the, the, we, we make the, but when I say we, I, I mean, me and my team and we're, we're really on a we're really aligned in our philosophy, but I, I say um, everything that we have in our life is a result of how we negotiate. Everything we have in our life is a result of how we negotiate. Now that's a bold statement, but I would say, just as you're saying, Darren, everything is a negotiation, even how we negotiate with ourselves 
about how we spend our time. And we all know this experience very intimately, but we don't hear people talk much about it. There are multiple chads in my head. And, you know, I am constantly negotiating with the multiple chads in my head. And, you know, we'll take something very, very simple as working out. Uh, I've made a commitment mm -hmm. to myself that I will work out six days a week. That's it. That's not for a goal. It's not for weight loss. It's not for anything like that. It's just because I am back to the be do have. I am the guy who works out six days a week, period. And that's what I'm committed to. Now, five o'clock rolls around and the alarm goes off. Two chads show up. One chad says, ah, man, you don't got to do it this morning. You can put it off. You'll make it up tomorrow morning. Why don't you work out twice tomorrow? You know, all of this. <laughs> and there's another Chad going, wait a second. You made a promise to yourself. You made a commitment. And you're, you know, you're going to enjoy the results of keeping your commitments to yourself more than you're going to enjoy the next hour of sleep. And now we've got a negotiation. Yeah. And, and you know, it's it's important for me this is why we created the negotiation quizzes it's it's vital for me to understand how i negotiate both with myself and with other people around me because that's going to give me keen insights into why i have what i have in my life if the guy who's telling me to work out tomorrow is always winning I, if I know how I negotiate, I can know, I can understand my blind spots and I can understand my strengths and I can employ those or avoid those when I'm in negotiation, either with myself or with other people to get what I say I actually want, which is to be someone who is dedicated to health and working out and active. And most importantly, somebody who keeps their commitments to themselves. That's most important in that conversation for me. So if I understand how I negotiate, I can do it so much more effectively. And then I can start to change what it is that I have in my life. Or if I want to, right? If I want to create something right. in my life, I can start to change that. So you're exactly right. I mean, uh, negotiation is part of everything. The marriage that you have is all about how you negotiate. The uh, relationship that you have with your employees or your students. That's all about how you negotiate the pay you have, the car you drive, the house you live in. All of it is a result in part by how you negotiate. And so that's why we created the quiz. That's why we focus so much on it as we say heart, uh, leader or negotiation is the heart of leadership. Uh, the role of leadership is having <laughs> The, the, the role of leadership is running to challenge after challenge. That's what we need leaders to do, is to run to challenges. And every challenge presents a unique negotiation. And so just understanding more about ourselves and the ways others work and the goal of a successful negotiation by the way, is not to get as much as you can. I'll leave that hanging there. Most people think negotiation is the idea of getting as much as you can. We don't say that's the case. But um, understanding your aim in the negotiation and running to the challenge makes you a definitively uh, effective leader.
Oh, that's some super powerful stuff right there. Um, you know, I think just listening to you talk about uh, that self-negotiation um, just really had, had my leadership brain just rolling and rolling and rolling. And the most, to me, the most effective leaders are going to be those ones who know where their own negotiation blind spots are. And very crucial, obviously, when, when we're in, you know, when we're negotiating with, with anyone else. But would it be fair to say that the best leaders are the ones who are very good at negotiating with themselves? Don't you have to be good at that first to first be a good leader? Foremost, first and foremost, self-leadership is the foundation of effective leadership. And that would include negotiation. If we're not good at leading ourselves, we can pretend for a while, but we'll be exposed. And we're going to employ tactics that aren't work that aren't going to work well for the long run. Right. So I would say, right. you know, when we when we're brought in to work with a team, maybe it, maybe say the the challenge that they're up against is high turnover. And we come in, most of the leaders that that bring us in think we're going to go and find out what's wrong with their people. What's wrong <laughs> with the employees? Why is everybody leaving? Why is everybody, you know, millennials and and this generation? They're so lazy. They don't want to work. They want high pay, but they don't want to work. And that's how we, they think we're going to come in and solve that problem and find them the right people who will take their low pay and their, you know, distrusting <laughs> culture. And that's yeah. not where we go at all. <laughs> we go straight to the leader and start yeah. to evaluate where that leader has created the culture that they're saying they don't want. And that, that starts with self-leadership. That starts with how do they relate to challenge? How do they relate to the circumstances that they're in? What's at fault? Do they, are they a victim or are they responsible? You know, we're, we're doing different evaluations to see where they stand with leadership for themselves because if they can't lead themselves well, they can't lead others well. It's awesome stuff right there. Um, as, as our time is starting to wind down just a little bit, I, I have to ask, I asked you the last time we were on together and folks, if, if, you know, if you're just listening to the podcast, you don't see the image, but over your right shoulder, there's a sign on your wall. I think it's a flag that says, give a damn. And I love it. I think yeah. it's fantastic. Talk just a little bit about that. Uh, care. I think, you know, in the world of technology, in the world of systems, you know, there's so much talk about, I come from the business world. This won't be as as applicable to maybe most of your audience, but we talk about niches and we talk about ICPs and we talk about, you know, all of this sort of stuff. And what gets lost so much in that conversation is care. How are we showing up in a way that we care, that we give a damn about what it is that we're up to and the people that we're up to, uh, the people that we're up to it with? And so it's a constant reminder. I mean, this is where I do my coaching calls from most of them, if I'm not traveling. Um, so I'm, sp I'm staring into a screen with that on my, over my shoulder and they're staring into the screen with that over the shoulder. So it's a constant reminder to me to not lose the person, the lose care for the person that's in front of me. Same for them. All we're talking about in our conversations of leadership is how are we caring for others? How are we seeing the results that we're creating through others? 
And that, that rules all of the work, all of the conversations that I have with leaders is, are we, you know, and if they're not interested in leading from a place of care, I'm not interested in working with them. No bad. Right. It's yep. not a problem. They can do, they can do what they want to do. I, I, I've got no judgment around it. It's just not for me. I'm committed to the care and the humanness of leadership. Um, not the, you know, not the typical, how do I get the most out of these people that I can? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, this is where you and I are so much alike. Um, to me, you know, if you're a leader, you're in the people business. I mean, you're not, you're not in, you know, you're not in business. You're not in education. You're not in uh, entertainment. You are in the people business. That's your job is to, is to work with people, to inspire people, to rally people around a vision, a belief, a, you know, a goal, whatever, whatever it is you want to put into that particular part of it. But the bottom line is it's got to be about people. And mm-hmm. if you can't remember that, if you can't focus on the human experience, to me, you're not going to be a good leader. You might be a good manager, but sure. managing and leading are not are not the same thing. And That's you, right. If you remove the people part of it, then oh, absolutely, you can be a manager. But you've got yeah. you've really got to focus on people in order to be a, to be a great leader. So, so right. let me let me take that and just spin that right into uh, the question I ask everybody here on the podcast. Uh, it's the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. So. Aside from everything you've already talked about, Chad, what's one thing you're doing right now to lean into leadership? Um, I think, so it's my belief that leadership is a practice, not a destination. So I don't do a couple of things, learn a few things, read some leadership books, and then I'm a leader. Um, I believe that it's a daily practice and it's a practice for the rest of my life. So the best way I know to answer that question is what are some of the things that I'm doing in order to practice my leadership in a meaningful way? Well, first of all, that is surrounding myself with people who will give me honest feedback, who are willing to take a risk. And I say it's a risk because it's a risk in relationship to give people feedback, sometimes feedback that they, you think they might not want to hear. I surround myself with people who are willing to give me that feedback, even if it's hard for me to hear. And then the practice is actually hearing it and actually taking it into consideration because I'm just like everybody else. I'm, I'm, all caught, I'm often caught up in survival and I don't want to look bad. So, uh, so it's, those types of things can often be difficult for me to see. So uh, the practice is for me, I'm committed. I'm leaning into leadership by being willing to see feedback that's around me, both in my results and the people that I've surrounded myself with, see the stuff that I don't want to see and start working towards a new result. So really quick then, let's, uh, let's just touch on this really fast, uh, the Naked Leadership podcast, uh, the, the leadership coaching that you're doing, how we didn't, we didn't really spend any time on the podcast, so you might just touch on that really quick, but then how do people find Chad and your team and all the work that you're doing? Yeah. Um, I, I host a podcast called The Naked Leadership. Um, one of the episodes that I'm pointing people towards right now is episode 145. Uh, this is it's titled how we do confrontation and one of the lar- one of the big things that we work on our clients with uh, work with our clients on sorry rather is um, how to 
lean into conflict and how to make conflict the we say conflict is the only way to true connection so most of us want to avoid conflict or we think it's a detriment to our relationships we we say it actually defines the connection in our relationships how we address it how we run to it so in this episode 145 i'm actually bringing a uh, complaint to the table with our two founders, Adrian and Dan, something that hadn't been, hasn't been working for me in the way that we work together. I do it live on the podcast and we work through it live on the pod- podcast to demonstrate that both the discomfort, because it's always going to be discomfort, it's always going to be uncomfortable, but also the love and care and detail by which we take care of it. And it's an opportunity to demonstrate that to people who don't understand how conflict can contribute to connection because we're so much more connected and so much more committed to each other and care for each other after that conversation. And so that's one one place that I'm pointing people to. You can really get awesome. a flavor for us, our work, and our team. And that's, it, we, that's what we do when we come in with teams as well is we really work to help them create that connection through the conflict that naturally exists and should exist. Um, we mentioned the, uh, the negotiation quiz. Um, people can go in less than five minutes. You answer 15 questions about how you relate to negotiation. And then uh, after you answer those questions, it gives you the results of your type of negotiator. And um, it will give you a couple bullet points about that type of negotiator. And it will give you your potential blind spots and your strengths. So you can find that at negotiation.takenewground.com. Those are two interactive value creating ways that you can that you can keep in touch. That's awesome. So I will put links to all of that in the show notes, folks, so you can go and check that out. And before this episode actually goes live and airs, I will go and take the negotiation quiz and share with you what what my results were. Um, that way, uh, that way, I can tell you firsthand. Yep, it's that quick and easy. Here's what I got. Here's what I learned about myself as a negotiator. Chad, thanks so much for uh, joining me here on the podcast. This was this was an awesome conversation. I knew that it would be, and uh, I certainly appreciate you being on. It was an honor, Darren. I really appreciate the time and and you willing to. Uh, dive into a conversation with me is very uh open and reflective and i appreciate that it's you know i love i thrive in conversations where we get to just play where it feels like we're actually having a dialogue and this has been really really wonderful so thank you oh man what a great conversation that was with chad brown thank you again chad for coming on the show I talked about it right towards the end of the interview that I would go on and actually do the uh, assessment for negotiation style, and I did, folks. And I got to tell you, uh, it was kind of interesting. Um, It's not a difficult or invasive type of survey. Um, And actually what came out of the negotiation quiz uh, had me really intrigued. Um, I will tell you first, uh, the five different types of negotiators that can come out of this survey are the ambassador, the collaborator, the competitor, the compromiser, and the diva. Now, as I started looking at this before I even started the assessment, I thought, huh, I wonder where I'm going to land. Well, shockingly, um, I say that sarcastically, I landed as a competitor. And when I take a look at 
the results that come out as a competitor. It says that one of my strengths is the ability to argue a point in a position. Yeah, that's me. Uh, blind spot, uh, becoming dogmatically combative, uh, positioning the other parties and creating stalemates that undermine your interests. I, I don't know about that one, but I mean, I guess anything is possible. Since it's a blind spot, maybe I don't see that it's there. Um, uh, several bullet points that you'll get when you take this quiz, um, uh, you know, that, that talk about your different strengths and some things just as some insight for you. One that I found was interesting. Uh, the last bullet for me says you are uncomfortable with conflict and confrontation. You tend to view ne- uh, negotiating as conflict producing and therefore harmful to those involved. Yeah, that's pretty much me. Uh, to a T, that is me. And uh, I think uh, I think it's interesting. I really do. So make sure you go and take this quiz. Folks, I, I put the link in the show notes. Um, it, it'll take you about three minutes. And seriously, it's it's worth the reflection, worth the opportunity for you to just kind of think about who you are uh, as a leader and think about who you are as a negotiator. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us, Chad. Thank you for sharing that with us. Take new ground. And now it's time for a pep talk. I'm going to jump right off the end of the show here, folks. And today's pep talk is about give a damn. When I first met Chad, I saw that sign over his shoulder. And I waited until late in our conversation to ask him about it. And then I did the same thing in the podcast. But folks, give a damn. You know, so often, especially in highly politically charged times like we're in right now, People have a tendency to ride a fence or to just kind of sit back and allow others to take a stance because they might worry that taking a stance puts them in a difficult or in a compromising position. And the truth is, that can definitely happen. But I think the other side of it is, you know, we've all heard the phrase, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. You know, as leaders, Part of what your staff counts on, part of what your community counts on, part of what your kids count on is knowing what it is that you give a damn about. I talk about clarity all the time. I mean, leaders, that is my big push, right? You got to be clear and then you got to be intentional. So maybe I should rephrase this from be clear about what matters to you, about what you're looking for, about what you expect, and maybe it should simply be Be clear about what you give a damn about. Man, I love it. It's powerful. It's simple. And it's got me fired up. So for those of you who are now into your summer break or, you know, your staffs have gone away and you've got some time to really dig into the work, think about that. What is it that you give a damn about? Thank you so much for hanging out with me this week here on Leaning Into Leadership. Have a road awesome day. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.